I got love for you, man. You know what, I'm what are we talking about? You know, I'm not here to start any trouble. I'm only going to say nice things about you from now on. I think you're handsome, and I think you're a wonderful host. I'm fat and I'm overweight. Just don't say anything silly. I was waiting for you to say that. I'm not laughing about it. You think this is funny? I take this serious. You know, I don't want y'all to take anything out of context that I'm saying. He's very funny. He likes to joke around a lot. As a personality and as an entertainer, yes. This is going to be really quick. I'm not taking any questions. Go ahead and get comfortable. I'm going to talk for a little bit. You're listening to Cabbie Presents, the podcast. Welcome, 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 welcome to My Guy Mondays. Thank you, Rod Smith. I love that, dude. My name is Cabbie Richards. I'm your host. Sorry about last week's uh, My Guy Mondays. It was Thanksgiving here in Canada. So... I couldn't call, I couldn't, nobody was available to record for uh, last week. I mean, people were still in tryptophan comas for like 18 hours. But we're back this week. The Indianapolis Colts have an underrated defense. And the defense, which sacked Peyton Manning four times, intercepted, deflected a pass and was intercepted. Manning has now thrown three interceptions in three straight games, or interceptions in three straight games. The defense was punctuated by punter Pat McAfee laying out Holiday for the Denver Broncos. That's the only part of the game I'm going to talk about. My guy is going to end up on, come on, man. He should end up on, come on, man. Pat McAfee, punter for the Colts, for laying out Holiday early in the game. I think in the first quarter, second quarter, was on a punt return. And, man, that dude should have got more props. He didn't get enough props from his teammates once, like, the hit was laid. Like, I wanted to see guys jump all over him. He didn't get that, but I'm sure when he went to the bench, he got the appropriate head smacks and butt taps. Congrats to the Boston Red Sox and the St. Louis Cardinals for advancing to the World Series. Why are baseball games so long in the playoffs? They're like four hours. I don't know how the Red Sox beat that starting rotation in Detroit. Same thing with the Cardinals hitters beating that rotation in L.A. It should be awesome. I'm going to tell a Boston Red Sox story next My Guy Mondays because I have a jam-packed show for you. Three distinctly different conversations, a couple of new guys to the rotation, all old friends, and we speak right now. And you will hear a new jingle. And I have to give mad props to Robbie Gibson out in Edmonton. He's known as... Robbie the intern uh, for uh, uh, Virgin Radio. But shout out to Robbie Gibson, who created this. It's his favorite day. What could make Cabby feel this way? My guy, my guy, my guy. Talking about my guy, Mondays. Leading off My Guy Mondays. One of the most talented uh, comedians in our country. This dude is just traveling coast to coast. And my first interaction with uh, Gilson Lubin (laughs) was in the MTV days. And uh, 
I actually went by to just to interview you about interview techniques. Wasn't that the first you're time? You're kidding, right? And you had that story about Snoop. You're kidding. Tell me you're kidding right now. You Wasn't did that not the first go time? there to interview me about but interview techniques as in like Gilson, that's uh funny. How do you interview someone? You didn't mean like because I actually have interview skills though, right? Well, no, yeah, it was your own have experiences. Have you seen my interviews? Oh, my own experiences. Okay, that makes yeah. more sense. And okay. I, and and we were just okay. So this is like oh six, maybe oh seven. It was actually uh, it was actually oh uh, six. It was 06. summer of oh six. Yeah, and uh, we were uh. out there on Young Street, and uh, I was interviewing you. Do you about, remember what happened? Do you remember? Yeah, I think you had a thing about Snoop Dogg, and like you you asked him a question, and then the whole thing went sour. Oh, Snoop, not with Snoop. It wasn't with Snoop. Was it? No, Snoop was good. Snoop was Snoop was encouraging. I actually wanted to be more of a journalist because of uh, a couple of comments he made. Oh, here is what was uh, a couple what was, of things. What the, what the hell am I thinking of? Because I, I thought I thought I had like I thought I had ones that were like bad but, experiences, but then also good ones. But I, but I have had uh, I have had interviews that I like. Uh, I haven't done a lot of interviews or a ton of interviews. I got the brief uh, the briefing on you know a, a little bit of grooming on doing interviews and. Um, the interviews that I thought would go a little bit, you know, I was like, like Wyclef, for example. I was like, I got stuff in common with Wyclef. I have like his albums. Right. I, I know Creole. <laughs> I know I know some Creole. I'm from the islands. I'm from the islands, but not just that. Not a lot of Creole artists, period. So the parts in his songs where it's Creole, I actually know a good bit of it. So for that connection, I was excited to meet him. Th there was no handle at this, so I thought it would be an easier conversation. Uh, with Wyclef? Uh, yeah, with Wyclef. So uh, what not happened? Like, not like he did anything bad, but he, he never once, he probably looked at me, well, he got into some of the questions, but it was so uncomfortable that I never got to ask him a lot of the questions I had in mind, because he had his head down on his phone and he almost looked like... He was maybe disinterested? He was, yeah, extremely disinterested, even before we even spoke. Like even on go, so not that he's bad. Keep in mind, he's one of my favorite artists, right? You yeah, know but I mean? still, like your your experience with but the I dude really kind of sucked. I really was looking forward to it, you know. So that was that was a bit of a letdown in a way for for me. Okay, so on the Neil Brennan podcast, Praz was on for like an hour. Neil Brennan's podcast called The Champs. It's him and Moshe you know Kasher. I've never met him. Okay, All right. I, I've so only you listened so to I him. Be offending you, he doesn't. No, I've never met. Not him. that I know him, but I'm a huge Dave Chappelle fan. Okay, so tell the story. Okay, so on that, so in in that conversation with Prize, he talks about how Wyclef and Lauren Hill and Wyclef's wife yeah. had a whole like love triangle, and that was that the reason broke it up. Well, well that, they, that sounds super they true. Caught, they caught feelings, and obviously, and Praz was in the middle because Wyclef would go to right, Praz about right. stuff. And then Wyclef will go right, to Pro. Right. Or sorry, Lauren Hill will go to Proz. Wyclef will go to Proz, and he was totally the middleman because it's only three people in the group. I remember hearing this is after I met you. This might have been 07 or 08. Yes. Dave Chappelle comes to town. Yes. And the the person, and he does he does two shows at Massey Hall yes, or something yes. like that. But the person people were talking about was you. I that heard from so many different people. Gilson set. Or the guy that opened for yeah. Dave Chappelle's set was fire. You know what? You know what? I'm going to stop. Not not like, but I had a good set. And here's, uh, I was just watching, uh, I, I have a little bit of stand-up coming up. I was hanging out with a writer friend, Sick. John Steinberg. And uh, we were just, uh, actually, Russell Peters said, this guy's probably going to be the next funniest guy out of here. You know, everyone has their own markets. But John Steinberg, he does CBC debaters and just crushes, right? Like, you know. So I was over there and watching uh, uh, Russell Peters is a... Uh, documentary on notorious uh, on uh, netflix oh no. uh, yeah notorious yeah and uh one of the uh there's the lady from detroit 
or basically like there's so much I learned like Russell would be the first I, I don't know Russell as well as majority of people the point I was going to get at is that we're talking about stand up and the pressure that there is not on the opening act oh. and especially when you do not expect him right I have no no I could go there and just bomb not like not like I would and if you do bad they don't remember you if you do well they'll remember you right my first uh, uh, inspiration uh, Richard Gregory Dick Gregory Dick Gregory, right, yeah. Phenomenal. Right. Uh, you know, civil activist uh, as well. And uh, then there's Bill Cosby. But I, I got basically uh, introduced to very clean comedy growing up in kind of like a religious... Uh, household? Household. You know, raised by the grandma in St. Lucia. Right. Yeah, and man, so first time seeing Richard Pryor, nothing connected. I was just like, I never want I could care less. Didn't hate, just couldn't register even the words because all I'm hearing is a swearing, right? Mm -hmm. And um, Was that the same for Eddie Murphy? When you saw Delirious or Raw? No, I, I did not. Here's this, a lot of people who grew up on Eddie Murphy are like, uh, it came out in like 80... 80 Delirious was 83, Raw 83? was 87 or 88. Yeah, 87 or 88. So the strange thing is I actually moved to Canada in 88. Okay. So I did not know about a lot of things, including a lot of stand-up. But the thing going back to Dave Chappelle was, so, you know, I'm hearing about who I like, you know, Dick Gregor. I was like, hey, that's very... I get into that. And when I first seen Dave Chappelle, right... Um, uh, I was watching Def Jam. I was probably about 19. Keep in mind, he's like close to, you know, my age. I'm in like late 30s now, right? Not super late, but I'm not 20-something. Yeah, yeah. I'm a grown man. You know, I got, <laughs> I, I got so much. Anyways, but um, so I seen uh, Dave Chappelle do a HBO Def Jam, and he did a, a, a bit. And, um, and, and I know you interview a lot of people. You got to mix uh, listeners here, Cabby, but this was an interesting bit. It caught my attention because of the... Uh, my timing coming into North America. I was like, wow, this guy is doing social commentary. I didn't even know it was called social commentary back then, but I was, I was just, I, I was stunned and I was just staring, thinking, you could, you could do that? You what could. was the bit? Uh, do you remember? It was, it was on, um, it was on, uh, hey, this is all jokes here, guys, but it was all on the uh, N-word, right? Okay. But what I liked about it, what was so clever, was not just that I was laughing so hard, but just the, the wordplay. And he did, and the bit was just on, um, uh, uh, he surveys the crowd. He's like, how many of you guys here would be offended if uh, you were called the N-word by anybody else other than a black person? And the crowd's like, yeah, man. I, you know, they're going yeah. off. It's like, uh, I used to be like you guys. Uh, and then he's like, uh, until I thought about it, so I was like, who decided that word would make black people pissed off for the rest of history? What they have, like a big meeting? Then he goes into like five or six or who knows how many characters. But not only that, but the writing of how he snuck into it, like, you know, the... How would you guys feel like I used to be like you guys, which I, I'm a huge fan of writing, even if I'm not a good writer. I love writing. My sister, you know, does a lot, you know, English lit, so whatever. So um, just caught my attention. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. But what caught my attention about it was the fact that um, it was social commentary, you know, like my comedy. I try not to put it not like I have a control, but believe it or not, I'm one of the few comics. I definitely don't want everybody to hear my comedy. Doesn't make sense. But I am not trying to become, you know, I have too many opinions, so it's just whatever. Oh, okay. So it really yeah, connected. But okay, okay, but most comics are opinionated, no? They're Yo, not just telling Cabby. jokes for... I make people sad, bro. Like, <laughs> the instructors be like, listen, they got to relate, not feel sorry for you. I was like, it's my life. And they, they don't, they don't. But it's a, uh, long story short, connected to it, and I was like, man, I would really love to do stand-up. And one day, so happens in Toronto, they were, were maybe filming Half-Baked, and... um. 
and I was at the Eaton Center. And uh, which is Neil Brennan and Dave Chappelle wrote that when they're both twenty three or twenty four years old. Neil, I don't think Neil directed it, but he wrote it. Did he write on it? I, I don't know much about Neil. I think they I wrote know, it together. I think they've had a history, right? Oh yes, they did. Maybe. Yeah, they they met when they were like That's eighteen right. in New York. That's right, and, and we, you know, you connect to you know the, is the extra connection except for I want to be a comic, right? This is a good story. This is worth it, and uh, so and long story short, Cinemat uh, uh, Eaton Center at a Foot Locker at Eaton Center upstairs, and I'm with some friends. We're coming from school. I'm like, yo, that's Dave Chappelle, and all my friends are like, my one friend r- literally said this. My friend goes. Uh, no, it's not because the dude don't have the gap like the dude in the movie. I'm like, all right, you got to stay here. I'm going to go talk to him. You really need to not show up. And I, and he was he was just a gentleman, so nice. Like he's like, And, you know, he, had, he was Dave Chappelle, so just laughing, and he had his hand out of his hood. He's like, what's up, fellas? Give us a little grab. So he's just like, oh, my gosh. You know what I mean? Gilson just did a, an impression of Dave Chappelle. He's, like, skinny, but he's got these, like, little, I don't I know. Mean, these... You could see it, though, right? What's up, fellas? Yeah, yeah. I actually could do a, a, a pretty good impression of a few people, but it's spot on. And to the part where I feel, to the point where I feel guilty, I'm like, oh, that's awkward. But anyways. It's that... only awkward if you do Dave Chappelle, do Dave Chappelle, and he doesn't react positively to it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be when it became would become awkward. Yeah, yeah. So I got to an open for him, so I felt no pressure. I was excited. How did you get to open for Dave Chappelle? Because of uh, uh, three people, but mostly Russell Peters. So Russell Peters, um, uh, Maureen Taren, who is my, uh, she used to assist Dave, you know, when she started off managing. And uh, so it was that connection. Plus, I had a couple of good, I had some good years. I was kind of on fire. To be honest, I was, I was really on fire so like here really in, in toronto or in canada just like on the comedy scene like people you're, in general you're, yeah your name in general was, i had a no fear attitude because no, no no but how how were you on fire like you just people started to like you're getting I more got, opportunities I got a lot of, the reason why um i i could honestly say that i got good not not great there's no such such thing as the best but i got good enough because of the extra stage time i got thanks to people like you know kenny robinson or russell peters because or or I keep saying his name, but any comic in this country would say the same thing, right? It got me shoes when I, when I, when I didn't have my rent was two hundred and thirty-eight dollars in two thousand and two or something, and dude gave me shoes and like it's a long story how R- Russell did, like, yeah, or not Kenny did rent, uh, you know, stage time and they help you out. But long we, story short, we will I was have on fire. To, we will have to get to that story. I, I want to hear more of your origin story, but. I, I opened for him. Did, did wait, the first wait, wait, time wait, around. I killed. You still haven't explained. You I said Russell helped you. Shows. Did Russell did like How did, did, I get there? did Maureen say okay? We need an opening act. Dave's doing two shows. So there was this thing that Toronto. he's coming to Canada, right? Okay, yeah. And way before I got to open for him, Russell knew I was a huge fan of him and Bill Cosby. Like I didn't have a lot of goals. I said I would love to meet Bill Cosby. I got to meet, meet Bill Cosby. I would love to meet Chappelle. And then I thought, that'd be crazy if I opened for him, right? So the, I was already in a, like a dream world. And so getting to open for him, you know, I had won some competitions before. So oh, okay. Like I won like three of them. No, I won like, but I was just like, you know, I didn't have half an hour or an hour set, but I did have a very tight seven and I had a really good, a really good 30. And, and for you to be promoted back then in the yuck yuck structure, you had to be good enough that if you did your seven minute set, graduated to the weekends you have to follow guys who from go to end they're not gonna not get a laugh and it just gets crazier so when i started off i would see um uh, russell peters uh mike wilmot this guy uh um a lot of nikki Payne, 
Ron Jossel. I was just seeing killers. Uh, Sean Majumder. I cannot think of just Harlan Williams would come through. Sometimes you see Chris Rock would come into the room. You look in on some really great comics. And I'm watching these guys all day. And I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a so-called home at the time. So I spent a lot of time in comedy clubs. I, at the time when you could not find 27 or 36 shows a month to perform, I would find it because I had nothing else to do. It was amazing. So I got a, an edge on a lot of comics because, you know, for whatever reason, the time I had to spend not just the free time, but being taken on the road with all these comics way before I was ready. You know oh, what I mean? Okay. So in like two years or like a year later, like just last, so I constantly had to like slow things down, just be like, whoa, I'm not that good. You know, I got like 10 minutes and they didn't know. But uh, I really took time with the little slow growth for me. So, okay, so then at what point do you get the call or you are, or you are alerted that, hey, you're oh, going to open Oh, wait a minute. For... I'm on MTV. Maybe that's why. But just for last called and said, I asked, who, so how did I get to do this? And they, I got different stories, you know, and Def Jam was calling around that time. So a lot of people were, you know, like. So a lot of different people were saying your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for laughs, yuck, yuck. Yeah, and, and Russell told me way after. He's like, you know, I, I told Dave them about you for that. I was like, oh, because they told me that just for last did and. So, you know, but what, one of those things, so just in case he ever all, hears this, which I, you know. <laughs> all I, these different people are trying to take credit for giving you your shot with Dave Chappelle. Yeah, so I was just like, all right, whatever it is. And the second time I felt awkward because I'm like, I did, I just wanted to present the show, the first show. But when I was walking out on stage, I got booed off the bat. And, and I, you know, it gets you excited. It's like, yeah. So the second of the two nights, this very first time you, you opened for The very first time I opened for him in 2007 or or. Eight, or eight, whatever one of those it was. Two, yeah. yeah, but I got heckled coming out, and he's not there, so he's not seeing the show. So I was like, wait a minute, dude, you can't heckle me here. I don't care. So I just destroyed this dude immediately, <laughs> finished business. And as long as there was no complaints, like like fast, like the fat, like I worked on so many, it's just not. I just read a great article about Dave Chappelle in this uh, this online, this uh, I think it's Believer.com, and this, this lady, I'm going to, I'll put oh, it, and I, Dave Chappelle said I had two magnificent sets. It made me feel good. That's that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and just kind of talked about his his like his background and like for and one of one of maybe his most famous characters. Yeah. And maybe this kind of tells what kind of person you are if you really identify with this particular character or think this yeah. is is the Clayton Bixby character. The, He's Clayton the, Bixby, the blind. Is that the white, the blind white supremacist who doesn't know that he's black. What a story! That, that character is based on his grandfather. Is Dave, it based on his grandfather? Yeah, you Dave know, Chappelle's grandfather was blind. You know, I, I don't know if I'm nosy, but uh, or the coincidence, really? Yeah, Dave Chappelle's grandfather's blind, and at the time that Dr. King, uh, so Dave Chappelle's grandfather's yes. blind, but he had fair skin. He looked Greek, so. The day that Dr. King was assassinated in 1968, it, um, he was on a bus in like Kansas City or something. And on the bus, he could hear these black people talking about this, how they're going to get this white uh, man. He was blind. Hilarious. He didn't know that they were talking about him as the uh, white man. So that, so then, so he, he happened to survive that, uh, that wow. thing on the bus or that situation or avert that situation on the bus. 
And then when he told Dave, that was the that was the basis for Clinton Clayton Bixby wow. as the blind white supremacist who doesn't you know want... that he's black. Okay, so yes. when we were when we were texting uh, a couple of weeks ago, yes. you were out of town. You were in Vancouver, and you're doing some, some comedy. And, and earlier you said you're working with John Steinberg because you have some comedy coming out. What is that comedy that you have coming out? Oh, Cab is curious. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working really hard, man. Like uh, I. I've been working really hard, but very quietly. I kind of had to. It works better for me. I work better that way. And, um, oh, man, I've been working really hard. I've been doing some corporate laying low, but found a lot of places to perform and do some. Kinda like, I really like it. I went out to this one place uh, just three days ago, and I had a set, like, a kind of set I haven't had in, like, about five years. So I was feeling really good. I've had a mixed crowd coming out to some shows when I do them. Not, like, a lot of people. I do a, a little small thing. But... I'll have people who see me do corporate to people who have practice rooms in, you know, like a bar or whatever, or my family. And such a mixed crowd. So what I do is I've been putting on other comics who have been helping me out. So that way I don't have to do the long set as I learn to figure out how do I even grow here, you know? Because before I was used to a crowd who didn't know me. So if I did bad and I get off stage, they could care less. So I might as well not care about them. So it caused me to have better shows because I put my conscience aside. But when you have your family and everyone coming out, it's like, oh, guys... So what are you guys up to? And trying to almost learn a new language, which was, and all, every part of everything I'm saying in comedy is fun for me. Like, you know, it's my own little thing. So now, so I, what it sounds like to me is like, there's, there's, there's pressure now because the audiences know who you Always are and they do. have a certain expectation. Oh my gosh, man. Like I, I remember what people have seen. Like I, I, I did a, an, I saw an open mic. You, you gotta stay sharp. And my friend who uh, passed away, RIP, Kissy Arthur. Uh, he uh, ran this room, so I would go there specifically because he did, and it encourages whatever. And some guy came up to me after the show, he's like, wow. He's like, wow. He just kept saying wow. I was like, what's wow wrong? in a good way or a bad way? Like bad he, way. Oh, wow, like it was terrible. He's like, yeah, I was like, what's up? But, but I'm just trying stuff. I, I don't even know what's going on. I'm just, just goofing around trying to f feel comfortable on stage and with people. By the way, very funny. I saw uh, NBA TV. Hilarious cabs. Hilarious you are. What did I, but anyways, I, didn't, I didn't do? NBA what? TV, check out cabs. But, Whatever. But the guy was like, yo, man, I've heard a lot about you, and I got to say, wow, I'm very disappointed. Wow, to your face, like bold yeah, like that? that has happened more than once. Wow, because people do that on Twitter. You they, don't they, to they feel, Right, okay, well, see, I guess, well, I guess that's part of the expectation. You don't get people, to That's grow. crazy, yeah. And, and it's cool because there's that improvi improvisational uh, skill, but sometimes you're writing something specific that night or you're trying to figure out something, Yeah. you know? But uh, anyways, but that same one of the guys who said that, though, he seen me somewhere else he, at one of the Chappelle shows, and he was like, man, I'm very, you know, the same one you were talking about. He was, so So this is a, the other experience, so this guy was very complimentary. Or was he also the saying The same guy bad? who said it was bad happened to be at the Chappelle thing after. And then said what? Oh, he, he was just like, that's, he, he's he like, wanted to make out with you. Yeah. He wanted to make <laughs> out with you. A little bit of lip wrestling. <laughs> Just a little, not much. We want to know what your tongue felt like. Okay, not so when, when, are we, when are we going to uh, hear or Sorry. see this new comedy? Because you've been in the lab for a little bit. You're right. You kind of, you went underground you, and you're just you working. Know you're just, you wanna, dude, you're taking shots in the gym when nobody's awake. Here's what's good is that um, I just finally put a website together. <laughs> I'm so clumsy. I need, I need so much help around me. But I, I put a little website together that I'm going to put some stuff on there. But... And I'll just put what I think they could handle. Okay. Because people go to the sites, man. They do, of course. Yeah. And because CBC, they want to they digest more about you. I get a lot of CBC followers, so they go to the site. So the stuff I could do, I can't put it on there anyways. So I'm actually doing another site, 
and uh, actually like I it was one clean and one like one yeah one's and clean the other and one I'm not, and the other one is just gonna be for starting from scratch with try to build mostly audio actually believe it or not okay it sounds messed up no but I I do not have time to get hated on you know or whatever <laughs> dude like and guess where the hate comes from your, your peers not even from people who are listening which shocked people me people are so jealous I'm, of your success so that's that's actually the main one of the main reasons why I was like I'm just gonna get away from here okay is there a site right now is it gilsonlubin.ca okay g-i-l-s-o-n-l-u-b-i-n dot c-a, C-A. But here's the thing, I said. Is I there stuff assistance. on there now? Yes. Perfect. My my cut. It's only been up for about a week now. Okay. But here's the thing. I'm bad with this. A guy from Japan. If you're hearing this, Japan. No. <laughs> <laughs> like the guys listening. There, there might there might be a Japanese dude well, like who got, listens to this, but maybe not someone and from even Japan. If, even if you are listening, you still can't help me because I lost the uh, gilsonlubin.com. I was like, how come I can't get it? And it's somewhere in Japan, and now I gotta wait till next month, so I might be changing it over oh. back to dot com. So, so wait, some there's a squatter in Japan who's got guessonlubin.com? Uh, yeah, he doesn't know it's not worth nothing. Wait <laughs> <laughs> till he finds out. Well, hey, you know maybe he's been doing uh, his reconnaissance. Like I found a diamond in the rough, and then this uh, place, this is gonna blow up because people are naturally gonna go yep, to dot com. Yep, yep. Gilson Lubin, man, awesome. I, I don't know how much time we have, but we were done basically, right? So I'm gonna say thank you. My Guy Monday. The last time I saw this man, we were at a golf course in, I think, Maple, Ontario, or King. We're in the suburbs of Toronto, and he was raising uh, tens of thousands of dollars for his local kayaking club. Canoe uh, club, yeah, Kayak you got canoe it. club. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just being an over... It was, it was awesome, and you're just an unbelievable host. Adam Vancouverden, um, before we um, get into our, the topic of our conversation, um, what high school did you go to again? I went to St. Ignatius for Loyola High School in Oakville. And that was a Catholic school? It was a Catholic school. still is a high, uh, Catholic high school. Yeah. So how much hotter were the girls? Like you, so you're like the hotness for girls in your experience was different than the average like Canadian male because you went to a Catholic school and girls invariably look hotter in Catholic school uniforms than just regular everyday wear unless I, it's the beach unless I think it's that's the, a stereotype but possibly the one thing that that I, I think you're right about, though it is a stereotype I, I think the girls at Catholic school or the girls at uh, you know public school or whatever private school um, they are the same girls obviously they're the same young women um but yeah, there was like a competition they, they always fought to have their kilts higher because like up their knees i mean right not like yeah, pull the yeah. fire shorter um, length yeah they they wanted a shorter length because i think there, there was a rule that they had to wear at a certain i think it's by knee to, right by your, your knee yeah it's supposed to be like three inches above their knee and they would roll it so they wanted to wear a shorter kilt it did i mean it looks looks better dumb long kilt you look like a scotsman <laughs> like you're on the golf course and i have to say that cabbie was a huge uh, reason that we raised that much money no I, I i just listen i just showed up and ate a ate a meal and i don't no, know I if i had took any, your wallet and i took your money no out i i don't know if i had any etiquette at the i was at a sitting at a table with your parents and i uh, were lovely people and uh, another another couple who uh, who were also great. My favorite person was this uh, Irish dude. Yeah, the uh, cop. Yeah, the cop. He's an Irish cop. Yeah, and he plays like he plays rec soccer now, and like went to Vegas for like uh, a soccer tournament for like other policemen, I believe. Yeah. Um, I don't know how he did, but um, 
he was uh, he was awesome, and I wish I could imita- imitate an Irish accent, but I feel like I would just embarrass myself and offend Irish people. All Irish people, you would like, offend them. Yeah, because sure. if you start doing like a Jamaican accent or a Trinidadian accent, mm-hmm. that would offend me. Yeah, no doubt, for <laughs> sure. Well, you could call it racist, but if if you did an Irish accent, I have a hard time calling a black guy doing an Irish accent racist. Yeah, like, is that really racist? Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's it's something. It's it's in that realm. Realm. Yeah. Hey, uh, so before we get to this, um, uh, another part of the uh, conversation uh, today, I saw uh, a clip on. Uh, or was it Sunday? It was on uh, CNN about uh, smoked poutinery had an had a poutine eating contest like Nathan's does the hot dog eating contest in Coney Island. Yeah, and it was at Dundas Square here in Toronto, and the person that won won uh, ate nineteen boxes of poutine. That's so gross. How though. many calories? You're so you're a man who you're in unbelievable shape. You just told me about this really hard workout you did where you just. You're just, what was it the 1500? You had to like yeah, we did almost a, sprint. We had a time control thing on on Saturday. We ran a 1500. It was hard, but you're, there was you're, a marathon in Toronto. It doesn't really, doesn't really uh, compare. But. Well, yeah, but you, you, I want to say you're almost exerting. I mean, you're well, maybe. Yeah, not. okay. I train every day, anyways. Poutine. Like, okay, but you're a guy because you you have like four percent body fat. How many? Okay, how many calories do you think is in 19 boxes of know. poutine? It's got to be like at least 2,000 per box. No, I think probably a thousand, maybe. A thousand per box depends on the size of the box, obviously. Well, it's, it's like, like a, it's like a regular gravy. fry container. Yeah, nineteen. So it was a real eating competition. Like these guys are athletes and they train. <laughs> <laughs> like I have a hard time calling them athletes, but I mean, no, I don't whatever. think anybody trained. Come on, nobody's they training. They I think they do. There's they, these the, guys. the hot dog guys. Those guys train. Yeah, so the Kobayashi hot dog or whatever. Guys, they yeah. they wet the buns so we can, and they have a certain uh, strategy to get the food into their stomachs easier. That sort of thing. Like, I mean, if there's like, if there's going to be an organized competition, there's going to be prize money, and there's going to be people who are exercising for it. Come on, nobody's. Th- but I feel like this just is kind of a pop up thing. Maybe Poop. I don't know. You have to call Smokes. I do. Okay, but nineteen. But just just. I guess. bet you it's probably fifteen thousand calories, which is like five times as much as anybody eats in a day. It's got to be more. It's got to be a thousand think, per box. You think twenty thousand calories? Yeah, man. At least at the like minimum seven times as much as a normal person eats. That's crazy. That's yeah. I think they vomit. Wouldn't they vomit after? Maybe. When it, you, when, it, getting it into your stomach is one thing, but like having it go through your duodenum and your, all like Your the, what? Your duodenum is like the where it goes through before it hits your small intestine. Don't don't be smarter than me here, okay? It's your show, but if I know <laughs> gastric anatomy. Du- is it duodenum? Is it D-U? Is that D-U-O-D-E-N-U-M. <laughs> duodenum. Were you a Kines guy, McMaster? Yeah, you were? Yeah, Jim. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm so embarrassed that I'm so much less intelligent than Adam Vancouver. You're not less intelligent than 100%. me. 100, dude. I don't even know what the duodenum is. I've never you heard have your the own word. Radio show. So you're what? intelligent. You yeah, gotta, I'm a gas bag. All I do is talk. Yeah, but you have like intelligent conversations regularly. I don't. I'm f- yeah, right. I'm filled with just like you know. Poutine. You're the guy who won. Congratulations. Yeah, I, well, to Captain I came Richard in seventh. I came in seventh. Did I, you actually do it? No, I just I saw, <laughs> I saw it on CNN, and the lady was like CNN. I saw. Yeah, it was on CNN. It was it was this lady and Don Lemon, and they she called it Putin. Putin, not like, Putin. Putin, like the president of prime minister of Russia. Yeah, like that yeah. they get across the ocean. Yes, yeah. that dude, right? The guy hosting the big winter sports festival. Right, and he won't. And he's and he's his mind is from like 1931. Like Maybe he has, even he has, he's earlier. not, he's not, yeah, he hasn't advanced into this millennium. The thing is, like, he's pretty prejudiced. So yeah. But then he does like the most homoerotic photos. Oh on, yeah, like just him be half naked, like with him a on gun. a gun, yeah, on a horse, like looking <laughs> all <laughs> handsome. 
Uh, but I, is it Vladimir Putin, right? Yeah, that's his name. But I, I would he, but he's like, I mean, he does do these homoerotic, whether advertently or inadvertently, these photos. But the dude has killed people. Totally, he's probably KGB. with his bare. Yeah, he's, K, he's KGB, like the secret police. Like and like probably killed lots of people. I don't even want to think about it. So I hopefully the, hopefully they don't get. I mean, if they do get iTunes in uh, Russia, and there's the I, I they probably I, do. And I'm going to the Olympics, so maybe I should watch my mouth. You're gonna oh yeah, you're gonna be at Sochi. You're doing stuff with CBC. Yeah, yeah. Do you know who you're working with? I'm working with a guy named Ron McLean. You're working with Ron McLean? Popular, yeah. On the winter such a sports legend. scene. And I mean, it was great that he was at your golf tournament. Yeah, and he, he helped has, out a lot. He's amazing. Ron McLean has anecdotes. I feel like for any given situation, he could be doing a a, a visit to a hospital. He could be uh, t- uh, showing up at a Tyke minor league hockey game. He could be playing poker at in the Bahamas and we'll have an anecdote for, he for every situation. He brings like a local newspaper and he pulls stuff out of his pocket and he's like, oh, I got this newspaper from 1984 from the local library in Lethbridge, Alberta. And you're like, what? Where did you get that from? So Ron McLean brought this newspaper clipping and he, and he, sorry, he spoke about when um, Adam, Adam's local newspaper is the Oakville something. Beagle? Beaver. The Oak, okay, yeah. Oakville. The Oakville Beagle. Yeah. Of course it's the Beaver. He, he was telling the story about how uh, Adam and uh, previously uh, Donovan Bailey were featured on the front page of this Oakville Beaver newspaper about a year before their your respective Olympic Games when you won when uh, Donovan yeah, Bailey 95. won gold in ninety yeah, in ninety six yeah, so it was yeah, the ninety five yeah, yeah. newspaper and yours was the O you won gold in Athens yeah oh four so 04. I, had a, I got a silver medal at the Worlds in oh three and he clipped that newspaper article out of the Oakville Beaver and yeah and he and then he brought it on to, with him to the broadcast in Atlanta in, in ninety six and then in Athens in two thousand four and then showed the 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 cover of like the newspaper. Just in case. Like yeah, how d- many how many would he have? Like he didn't know I was gonna win a race. He probably had one for every possibility. Like, oh the kid from like Brampton and sailing one, so uh, we're gonna pull that like article out of it. Like I don't he must have like a volume of newspapers. The guy's just a, the, he's or, just or awesome. he's psychic. It's also possible that he's uh, clairvoyant. What are you and Ron McLean gonna be doing? Well, he's going to be do, doing the Ron McLean thing, where he, you know, is wise and and <laughs> interviews people with more just, sort of inspiration and in like this intuitive grace that he has that sort of he's endeared himself to 35 million Canadians and many, many more individuals in North America through his broadcasting skills. Uh, he'll do that, and I'll basically sit next to him and try not to sound like an idiot. You and won't. Impart it's some, impossible. Some Olympian uh, cred. To the whole broadcast some hope, some, we'll some experience uh and you know i'm sure your your experience is similar to many of those athletes that will be there representing our country because you've gone to three games yeah and, I, well, and possibly a fourth yeah maybe we'll see i gotta keep training hard you know and keeping that body fat under four yeah, percent and no keep... 19 poutines and, <laughs> or putins no right okay so speaking of articles um uh, you and i we have uh, an affinity for uh women Sure, we're we, both. Yeah, we're both fan of the opposite sex. We are huge. I, we're huge fans. Absolutely. And yeah. your 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 process and your uh, application of your game is much different than mine. I am a rhino, okay, and you're a sly fox. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's you it. are a rhino. Yeah. Okay. So and what does that mean? You're you, a sly. You come into the to the I, room oh, with your. I'm sweating. I'm just. I'm loud. I'm abrasive. You're a pachyderm. Yeah, I'm knocking things. Pachyderm. Yeah. I'm knocking things over. I smell. Yeah. You know, just there's nothing subtle about my game. I'm about. I'm you about as subtle as a chainsaw in church. Horny nose. Yeah, but my horn is on the southern <laughs> hemisphere, and the, but you're a sly thought. You blend in, and you're. But you're very like you're very. We've been at the same place, okay, and and been mingling, and you're just a lot smoother. 
Like the, That's like, very kind. You're Thank a lot you. smoother. I, uh, so he's so, like a lubrication for a party. <laughs> he's party lube. Man, I was just at I was just at uh, Booby Ball. Oh yeah, uh, I heard uh, that's uh, a great event, and I've never been. Dude, are you? We should have went. I had gone. Yeah, when was that Friday? Oh man, I had a plus one. Oh, you could have brought me your date. Oh, Adam, dude, you I would have just. We text enough. You could text. You oh could me up. man, Adam, I'm what just, are you doing tonight? Not but much. no, but look, when, when we when we texted like this weekend, I, I thought you were already in Europe. Don't you have an event soon? No, I don't. I don't know why you thought that. Dude, I, think I thought you're mixing me up with some other athlete. I don't know any other. I'm going, I, I know hockey dudes. In, I'm going to LA in November, so I've got like four weeks here. It doesn't matter, man. I, I know hockey dudes. I don't know like Olympians. You know hockey dudes. Those you know are, Olympians. Those, those, You're buds with like Martin Reeder and Kalen. Kyle okay, fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, okay, but uh, like, okay, Martin's an Olympian. Kalen plays soccer. I mean, I don't really attribute. I mean, yes, they play. Of course, she's an Olympian. She's I got, know. I know she's a bronze medals. Yes, yes, yes. But I know when I think of Olympians, I don't think of soccer. Okay. It's like I wouldn't think of like softball. Or like I think softball's of, not an Olympic sport anymore. Oh, anymore. So, okay. If yeah. I would think of a if I if I knew an archer, if I knew a Greco-Roman wrestler, if I knew a someone who uh, an equestrian, what are they? Equestrian horsey rider. Horsey yeah. rider. Then yes, Olympia. Okay. So let me get to the point. Yeah. Booby ball, which uh, raises money for uh, uh, breast cancer research in Canada. It was a ratio alert, and by ratio alert, I mean it was like for at, for a good portion of the night, it was eighty twenty women to dudes. So unbelievable. For those who don't know, Booby Ball is one of the biggest events for our sort of demographic social cohort in Toronto. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of younger, semi-affluent people in Toronto go. Upwardly mobile, and it's, a, and it's funny. It's so everybody knows that in terms of the in the in the environment in the ecosystem of cancer research, breast cancer is a sexy one to get behind as a charity uh, for a social cause because you know boobs are popular and booby ball is the most popular cancer event i do some work with colon cancer which is not, not a sexy cancer <laughs> no not the cancer sexy but it's a difficult one to sell um but i'm considering starting up something called the booty ball the booty ball that's yeah, about your bum wow your, the bum ball well, okay but the booty ball like there was like is it like dudes bums or like girls bums well it'd be both but i mean men can get breast cancer too right that's an can important we? Of course we can. Hmm. Men get breast cancer, and men and women get colon cancer, and that's your colon is in your bum. So we could do a. I feel like where I feel like colon cancer is kind of like a male specific thing. Well, e it's in the no, it's not. It's not colon cancer is both my yeah. Okay, but I feel like that's a popular one amongst men. It's like we we get the um, well prostate cancer. Prostate's the big yeah. one, and then it's uh, colon cancer is another one. But it's kind of okay. But so you might do the booty ball. Yeah. All right. But anyways, you were telling you're telling us about booby ball. So go on. So it's also a high ratio. Also, yeah, also in Toronto, motion ball is huge. That one raises money for the Special Olympics. And then uh, Etherington's got another one called uh, the Pink Party. Another breast cancer. The Pink Party is also it's like a rival to the booby ball, but also. But booby ball is not Etherington, is it? No, booby ball is not. Ether no, the Pink Party is though. Pink Party is yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm reading this uh, article. And actually, this was sent to me by RT. And RT and I always have often have these conversations, but. It's it, it's for people that like yourself. We like we are. You're not a gas bag, but you respect a, a high level of of uh, conversation. You need to be unlike 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 me. 
you need to when you connect with the opposite sex you need to be you need to be engaged intellectually that's the kind of dude that you are me i'm completely vis- visual i'm the rhino you're the sly fox i just i just pick up on I smells think you're giving, i think i don't know you're giving yourself no like, no i pick up on smells yourself well dude I, that's you like fine. to talk to women like don't, yeah. don't say that you don't like to, ha- to be intellectually stimulated and it's just all about the looks and the body that's not that's not cabby i don't know who you're talking about Listen. it's not the guy i know <laughs> I maybe I'm an actor. Maybe I'm a great. You are uh, a great actor. actor. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so this article in Vanity Fair called uh, "Friends Without Benefits," and it's fascinating because it it's essentially the whole piece is about the deterioration in the art of conversation, and this is for the millennials. But I feel it in our generation also. Like uh, um, so many people, when they're when they're uh, communicating with others it's it's strictly via text i'd say i mean how many times do you use the phone in a week yeah not not very often like you can get on, on both hands i probably use the phone uh, yeah more than 10 times a week but i mean i'm not so much concerned about texting i'm more concerned about how often we have screens in our faces like i'm always looking at my phone or a computer screen and less the television but like we're just enamored by screens that blue light from a phone or from your iPad or you're from oh, your somebody MacBook. wants me. Oh, somebody wants me. Oh, somebody wants me. It's like it's just way too much. And I don't read books as much as I read stuff on my computer or my phone anywhere. I I read the article you sent me, this one. I read it like mostly on my phone. It's so weird. We're just constantly. I'm sure my eyes are like gonna fall out of my skull eventually because <laughs> staring at plasma screens all the time. So the uh, the first uh, story in this article on Vanity Fair is about it's called the Tinder guy. So this Tinder is this app, and I'm sure you guys all know about Tinder. Uh, I I I was introduced to Tinder in the summertime at Kevin Weeks at a party, and I'm gonna bring this up with Kevin when I have him in here. This guy was saying, "Cab, do you have heard about Tinder?" I'm like, "I've heard about it, but what is it?" So Tinder is this app uh, where you can locate other, I guess singles or people that are out to just have a good time in your area so it geolocates where you are and then you have to log in via your facebook and then and then you can connect with other people so you're just basically you're looking at your screen and you're swiping left to right or right to left and if you like someone you you know you click on their picture and if they like you and if they're going through their photos and they like you then a dialogue box opens so like you know cassandra Think wants to connect. Whatever the message is on the, f- I don't have Tinder, but this is what I've been told about Tinder. So anyway, in this, sto- I also do not have Tinder. But I are you are you uh, are you tempted? No, I'm curious about Tinder. I'm curious, maybe, but not for my own purposes. I don't know. I think it's very meat marketish. Like it's it's kind of base. I'm not judging anybody, but like I I like meeting people in person. So, but I, that's the era that we. I feel like that's how we grew up, though. Like we grew up in an era where. Do you remember like going somewhere and having to write a girl's number on a napkin or a piece of paper? Yeah, like, of course. Or looking a girl's number up in the phone book. Like, oh yeah, dude. dude. Isn't that weird? And like that was a good skill, you know, that it wasn't like just a Facebook friend request. It was like, I like this girl. I'm gonna look her up in the phone book. Her parents' name. I know her like her last name. Oh my gosh. And I'm gonna I look her up. As so if you didn't many do that. hours doing that. Yeah, sure. I forgot, dude. I forgot about that. Yeah, you look her up and you go, "Hi, is is Stephanie there?" Yeah, sure. Can I tell her who's calling? Oh, it's Adam from school. Hi, Stephanie. It's Adam from, like, English class. Oh, right. hi. 
yeah. this is awkward and then your heart rate's like 190 <laughs> and you're trying to like not sweat through the phone so she can like sense that you're so nervous and you're like hi i'm just wondering if you would like to see a movie with me because um you know forrest gump is in theaters and i remember in university you had to call girls yeah i got I a phone think- in i got a phone in university like a cell phone like a cell phone but um we didn't start texting until like i was almost done i think we started texting in canada in 2004 or 5 I was thinking about it the other day. In this story, uh, this guy and this girl, they meet at the mall. And things are like, you know, you're, you're always, you're, your digital self is, is like the best version of yourself. It's like the, the funny, charming, most handsome version of yourself. So in this story, it was that. She's like, oh, his face looked kind of fatter. And he kind of looked like the same guy. But there was no charm. There was no wit. And it was kind of awkward. At one point, he kind of held my hand as we were walking around the mall. But it just felt really weird. And I just kind of wanted to get out of there. So, like, there is, are you noticing that there is a sort of a deterioration in how much we, or how we interact with people, even people in our own age, age group? I feel worse for the millennials because their communication seems only digital, but we still have, you and I, or or people our age, still have some face-to-face interaction. I think there's a very valuable, like, human skill um, that I don't think will be lost, but I think it might be underdeveloped in people who learn to primarily communicate via you know, 140 character blips and blaps and whatever. Like I, I think like you're saying, the art of conversation may be, I'm not going to say it's going to get lost, but I do think there's potential for it to get like to be underdeveloped. And the art of conversation I think is very important, right? It's the way we express ourselves. It's the way we interact and everything. And this thing about Tinder on that article is, you know, this, that's how they met. They were in a, they're in the same neighborhoods. They went on Tinder, and you flip through these pictures of person, people. It's ba- it's just for hooking up. It's based on Grinder, right? Which is yeah. a gay men's app, which is right. the exact same thing. Here's another thing about the article, and, and it and it basically talks about how we feel the need to be validated by other people externally, i.e., Instagram and Facebook. And the 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 crazy thing that this article uh, sort of exposes is how girls will are very used to being stalked and also doing stalking or stalking it's like it's like commonplace and this is this is uh what the article talks about if a girl say her name is amanda amanda likes peter peter doesn't like amanda that much but let's say peter likes stephanie so amanda will start to stalk stephanie and and this is commonplace amanda will start to wear dress kind of like Stephanie in order to get the attention from Peter because Amanda is stalking Stephanie's Instagram or Stephanie's Facebook page and it's like and this is kind of this this crazy development that is commonplace with these millennials and another thing is girls will know how much a guy likes them by what kind of how feedback. they comment and how, how often they like on their Facebook on their yeah. Facebook yeah so like That's what the article know, is saying, she yeah. puts up a, a a profile picture the guy might like it the guy might leave a comment she's like oh okay this guy likes me she puts up another one he likes that one he comments on that one but maybe she puts up the third one and he doesn't really comment so she's like oh this guy doesn't like me anymore and that's how they measure their either popularity or their self-worth yeah and that's through the thing about self-worth clicks. it's it's about clicks but the problem with it the self-worth thing from that is it's entirely visual and it's entirely you know subjective visual stimulated like crap and which is just what we think of as hot or sexy or good or like attractive is all based on what we see in the media and for kids unfortunately what this article is talking about is specifically for young men they say 93 percent of of young men under 18 have been exposed to online pornography and it uh influences influences of course right influences what they think is normal so 
you know, girls start trying to conform to that ideal of sexy and normal. And, and then we're basing like all of the worth that we put on a female based on like, you know, what she looks like in a sports bra when she's doing that silly duck face pose. Right. The selfie. It's, it's terrible. I think it's terrible because it's definitely reinforcing a lot of stereotypes. It's making a lot of young women conform to something that's impossible or totally unnecessary. And I, I, I worry about, you know, I go to, I go to the canoe club. We talked about the canoe club and there's lots of young kids and teenagers at the canoe club. And, uh, you know, I, I look at them and they, they've always all got their phones out and stuff before and after practice. And I, I want to make sure they're like happy and healthy and, you know, conducting themselves in a, in a manner that's going to contribute to their happiness and the social well-being of all them and their friends and everything. And this article is a little bit distressing, I think. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of class. Dr. Van Coverden shuts the chapter on yet another valuable life lesson. That's why he's my friend, because I learned from this dude. Is that too sermony? No, it's like, but, like but, you're, but you're being honest, though. That's like, that's, that's a real well, you organic sent me some required, thought. You sent me some required learning Re- I know, did, from, for reading. You're like, hey, read this article, yeah. and then come and we'll talk about it. So, and I, I thought it was great. You know, it is a good article. I don't read Vanity Fair every week, so I read it, and uh, that's what I got out of it. The article is called Friends Without Benefits on VanityFair.com, written by Nancy Jo Sales, who I think, Nancy Jo Sales, I think, was the writer who inspired the movie Bling Ring. Okay. Which um, was was about like these six, five or six uh, high school students in, you know, these affluent communities in in Los Angeles that would steal uh, shoes and purses and jewelry from famous stars like Paris Hilton. Uh, they they went to Paris. They they stole like stuff from her like eight times. And this obsession with celebrity culture was what Bling Ring was was kind of about symbolically great movie i think this is the same writer but i i could be wrong i'm probably wrong i don't have a fact checker on this podcast but (laughs) i I need uh, and i need a fact checker in real life the interesting thing is we can check it after we can edit this uh the interesting thing the majority of this (laughs) the majority of this article is written um via like direct quote with teenagers yeah anecdotal yeah so it's uh it's you know, people do that follow a teen thing on Twitter. I follow a lot of teenagers. I follow kids. Do you from the actually? Canoe club. Well, I follow like my stepbrother, my stepsister. I follow kids from the canoe club, and yeah. So I mean, I I like to sort of have a glimpse into their their like lives and what they talk about and everything. And they are my friends. They're my teammates. They're my my family. Hmm. So I mean, I don't. I don't like obviously not because I'm creeping on kids. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but, like it's it's interesting to see how different age people use different uh, social media. Adam Vancouverden. Thanks for stopping by My Guy Mondays. My pleasure, man. Anytime. Please return. It's his favorite day. What could make Cabby feel this way? My guy. My guy. My guy. Talking about my guy. Mondays. The first time we exchanged numbers, it was about six or seven years ago, we were on a plane uh, coming back from somewhere. Uh, maybe it was Vancouver. Maybe it was Halifax. Uh, there's a good chance I was hungover. His name is Ryan Grant, also known as RG, and one of the premier trainers in the fight game in our entire country. His gym is Grant's MMA Gym in Toronto, and he's in studio now. Uh, RG, yep, yep. Um, can you call yourself a real man if you if you haven't been punched in the face at least once in your life? Um, <laughs> you can and you can't. Um, a lot of guys are just I get a lot of real people that come in the gym just regular recreational people that 
will be a plumber or a lawyer, dentist, and they'll specifically tell me, listen, I love the workout. I love how these guys approach the sport of boxing and how they their physique looks and the preparation of the, the of getting ready for a fight, but I don't want to get punched in the face. But they, they don't want to get punched in the face. They don't want to get punched in the face. So we have, we have a regular exercise called body work. So it's like body sparring. So it's like from neck to waist. You got to find pockets to get shots off. So a lot of guys will put their hands, they could just cross their hands. Cross their hands like like as though uh, they're, they're forming an X right, over their bodies. Their tits. They're protecting their breasts in a sense, <laughs> right? But also when punches slide up, when you're sweating, they'll slide off the glove and you'll get touched on the jaw. Okay. So you get that same lawyer freaking out. Yeah, man, you hit me on my face. What the hell's wrong? I'm like, listen, if you get your hands in the proper defensive way, instead of trying to do the... Joe Fraser, <laughs> Joe, George Foreman type of defense, it wouldn't slide off your gloves a little bit. So, in relevance Dude, have, to your have question, you been punching your face? Oh, plenty of times. Plenty of times. I've been punching my face probably not enough in my <laughs> lifetime. I once, I, I recently interviewed uh, Matt Ryan, the quarterback of the of the Atlanta Falcons, yeah, yeah. and asked him the same question. I'm like, does it, it was a real man? This is my whole line of questioning was about being a real man, and he's like a leader of men, that sort of thing. Right. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, I think you know, at least uh, at least uh, once in your life. And if the way the way that this interview is going, you might get one today. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> the the thing is, it doesn't have to be a punch in the face. I think you just have to have that that pop on the nose where the, the eyes start watering a little bit. Even if it's a ball that hits you in the face, so you're like, whoa! It's that same type of feeling if you haven't been punched in the face. It's the the ball in the nose type water up, watering your eyes. Now, when you were when you were growing up in Montreal, did you ever have to fight like a hockey dude? Because hockey fighting is so much different than other fighting. Because it's very specific. Right. Hand goes over your head. Right. You're pulling your t-shirt or <laughs> I suppose jersey on the ice over the person's head, and that's your advantage. And then you go to work. The thing is, a lot of hockey guys would come to the gym and train. I'll get them even now, being older and working with guys, but they can't get away with that type of. Pulling over your shirt type yeah, of mechanism, yeah. but it forces them to actually work a little bit harder because they're so used to grabbing a, uh, the inner of their shirt and, and pulling them into into punches, and they try to do that in a ring, and you can't do that with gloves on. Yeah, right? of course, yeah. So you see how fast they drop the gloves when they get <laughs> to, 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 to get that grip to start pushing the fight on. They try to pull the fight in the way they like to do it, but at the same time, a lot of hockey guys. Will make that tra- There's a lot of hockey guys right now in Canada that make that transition to UFC and or, or say MMA, mixed martial arts. Who? What do you mean? There's uh, Steve Bosse, uh was a big. He was like uh, I want to say uh, one of those farm league hockey tough guys. Okay, yeah. That's well known in the Quebec region. That's a big MMA star in Quebec. That's virtually almost there to get signed to the UFC. Oh you know? wow! Okay. So there's those guys. I heard uh, uh, George LaRock was. A I think it was. I think it was boxing, or maybe Don Brashear was Brashear, boxing. Yeah, Brashear. I think it was Brashear was actually. I think it was Brashear that's trying to do the mixed martial arts thing. Yeah. But um, because they have that grip, they like that inner clinching. It's a it's a different ball game, but I, you have to have a certain type of leather on your skin to really. <laughs> Feel that compact of getting cracked in the mouth, you know. RG, what did you make of the bloodbath? That was UFC 166. Most specifically, Gilbert Melendez versus Diego Sanchez. <laughs> Anytime Diego Sanchez fights, it's always going to be a bloodbath. He has so much bad scar tissue that I think every time, like he has a cut over his right 
his right eyebrow or his left, le- left, eyebrow. left eyebrow yeah and man that cut is so dis- I, I'm around the game every day it's the nastiest cut around the business <laughs> every time he fights that cut always opens up but the thing is I was, I was having the debate with, with a couple of my fighters they all text me oh now you see this man how could he never cut this guy because he goes balls to the wall every time he fights He's always in. Oh, you're saying why hasn't the UFC cut, cut him because, because he's lost? Guy, he's lost. Guy, he's lost. Like back to I think back to back fights, or he has a. You can see if you look at his his, his track sheet in the UFC that he has maybe two or three losses in a row. But every right. fight with this guy Sanchez, it's always a show, and he's nearly took took this guy out that's ranked to fight for a title again. That's right. Last night, so. Man, it's always it's always blood with that guy, but it's, you're always gonna get a, a prime time performance when he's on, in the cage. So for those people that didn't see it in UFC 166, which is uh, Saturday at the Toyota Center in Houston, he fought. It was a middleweight, I think, it, or whatever. No, no, one, it was, uh, 150, 156. Whatever. 155 is lightweight. Lightweight. So this dude had a gash over his Ugh. left eye. By the end of it, I mean, the, I think the gash opened up in the second, the first end of the first round. Second round, it was huge. Third round is even <laughs> wide. It was probably four to five inches over his left eye, and it was deep. Ugh. Like it was a good like. If you're gonna put your pinky finger into his forehead, is at least to the first knuckle. That's how past deep. The knuckle, past the knuckle. Past the knuckle. That's how deep it was. So okay, Ryan, if you're in the corner. Okay, and I've seen you at UFC events. I saw, and and one of your dudes, Sean Pearson, is one of the toughest <laughs> men alive, like alive, like that dude. And that dude is just all. I'm, I know at a certain point for fighters, it just becomes about will and just y- your will overpowering the other person's will. You're both tired. You're dead tired. You are gassed. Yeah. But at some point, when you're the corner man, you're looking at your fighter who's getting beat, and you just gotta be like, you want him to turn it around, but then you have to consider his safety, because he's just gonna, he just knows to fight to the end, because that's how he's trained. But in this fight versus Gilbert, Gilbert Melendez, Diego Sanchez, Diego Sanchez was taking so many punches, yeah. probably two or three hundred more punches than he delivered. Yeah. Like, as you're watching that, are you thinking, why isn't his corner, like, I don't know, is there is there such thing as throwing in the, the <laughs> towel in UFC? I don't know, or MMA? You've never seen it. And I've never I, seen it, you're right, I've God, never seen it. Honest, I've seen it in boxing, but never in UFC. Honestly, or MMA. we're talking about Sean's fight, and I know the one you're talking about where he looked like he, it was over. Yeah, I think it was his last one, or his yeah. second last fight, yeah. We've had two scares back-to-back, so I don't know which one was rich, right? <laughs> in the last round, like, he... And it's only certain guys are built differently. You know what I mean? Not certain guys who just get hit oh my, and fold right away just because they just don't want to feel no more of that pressure. Certain guys will feel it. They don't know where they're at, but still trying to swim in, in the in that in that deep sea and trying to survive and the shark is still biting your leg. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Or and, your face. And you get away. You're and right. you get away. Yeah. That fight, I, as a god, you t- you talking about throwing in the towel? I picked it up at a point, and I looked at Adrian Woolley, which is another guy I trained. That's Sean Pearson, one of our training buddies, and they known each other since like grade school wrestling. And I go, Adrian, I'm gonna stop the fight, man. And he goes, You can't. I'm like, What do you mean I can't? He goes, You can't. You can't do this. You'd be the first guy in history to do this. You can't do this. And as as it was happening, Sean started to like. Work off his work off his back a little bit to survive, and dude, at the end of that fight, I had to tell him, I'm like, I do not, I can't, I don't have it in me anymore to to see you go through certain 
situations like this, especially when I've, I have a good relationship with my fighters. I'm not just a coach with my guys. I, 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 I try to be their compadre. I'm, I'm, I'm not just the guy that's looking out for you and giving you instruction in your corner. We have to have a rapport. You have to know that it's a brotherhood. We're, we're, I'm your dad in a sense. I got to look out for you. I got to look out for your best interest and in your, in your, your safety outside of this. I preach to my guys, Cabby, every day in the gym. We're going to walk in looking the same way walking out. We look cool. I said, I don't look like I got ever beaten up in my life. <laughs> no, you're still quite pretty. But that's the whole point. We 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 be, we beat up, guys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We deliver the beating. We don't get beat up. And I have these guys to make them understand that. And Sean also is an older cat that started boxing with me. And he's had an MMA career prior to this. I was with him a few fights before he got signed to the UFC. And he's a wrestler. No one ever sees him showcase his wrestling yeah, skills. Yeah, he stands and, up and he and he goes like toe-to-toe with dudes. Certain guys can't do that. You get what I'm saying? You get a wrestler like a Cain Velasquez that will throw a couple shots but close that distance and say, you know what, I'm going to give you what I'm best at. And the thing is with Sean, I see it in the gym all the time. He's, fan, he's an all-around fighter, but because he's so reliant with his boxing and he's good at it, he just relies on it, and people don't think. Oh, he's just. We go to the fights, and they say, "Oh, oh, Sean Pierce, he's a striker," and I crack up because he's terrible to me as a striker. He's not. There's nothing striking about <laughs> Sean. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. But because he does so much more than the rest of the league and the rest of the fighters in in the organization. He's he is a striker. He's a boxing guy, stand up dude, and he could he could throw hands with guys better than most. So the the fight that we're referring to is UFC one sixty one. He he fought uh, Kenny Robertson. Was that the closest that you came to throwing quote unquote throwing in the proverbial towel? This one and there's a fight prior to that. I think he fought um, um, Hecht. I think his last name was um, where it was another scare. It was another scare where I was like, Yo, Sean. You got to stop this, man. I can't deal with you going through that type of frantics during your fights, man. Like, you, you're doing a good job. You're in control. Two rounds. Benoist. Lance Benoist. Um, and then after, it's like you almost, like, you just, okay, let me try something different, guys. And you get cracked with an elbow or a guy does something to you. I don't know. I, I can't stomach that anymore i can't do it you know okay so now okay so you mentioned cain velasquez so cain velasquez a, as the champion uh took on junior dos santos uh cain velasquez is the or junior dos santos the only person to ever beat cain velasquez and that was the first time they fought i think it was on fox i believe it was fox's first network event and it ended in under 60 seconds yeah. dos santos caught and dos santos has like one like one shot knockout power, power right hand yeah and he doesn't look like that powerful of a guy he doesn't have the body that Cain Velasquez has right. but he has that power like uh and weirdly Roy Nelson who had a, who um uh Daniel uh Cormier, Cormier had a great Ooh. fight against <laughs> yeah he was relentless as Cain Vel okay so the Cain Velasquez Junior DeSantos this is the second time now we've seen Junior DeSantos face look disfigured right like it was he looked like a different human being Cain is an animal and i mean i have RG, how do you deal with it when the dudes, <laughs> like, how are you telling guys, like, you know, to go back out, you, you, you know, you're instructing, you're giving them some kind of instruction, but they're coming back looking worse than they went out. It's a thing of, you You have to, if, if you're my fighter, Cabby, you got to trust me. You have to trust what I'm trying to tell you, or I'm not, I shouldn't be there. 
Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Every fighter goes through. It, it doesn't go your way. Certain guys in, in the gym, for instance, they'll have a. You'll have a bad day training. You'll get your ass handed in everything. If it's messing up and skipping, have a bad shadow boxing where you feel like elbows feeling a little bit messed up. You start sparring with a guy and you get beat up. You start doing pad exercise with me and the rhythm isn't there. And you're just like, yo, what the hell's going on today? Everyone has bad days, right? Yeah. If you if you have those days in the gym and you go into the fight and it's bad, you know you've been through this trial before. Right. So you have to, it's adversity, man. You, 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 your wife screwed on you. you you're going to kill your wife and go to jail, or you're going to try to work this thing out and try to do this civil? <laughs> you you try to work saying? it out in the ring and just punish no, your you opponent. Can't, and you can't do that either. Oh, you're no, gonna, octagon, yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't smash your wife. No, of course not. No, <laughs> you, you, just, you just have to turn your back you and just go find, yell at somebody else. You have to find that strategy and that fine line and try to making it work for you. Okay, so, RG, it's round three. DeSantos is <laughs> cut over up. his... His his left eye is starting to close. Yep. The, I believe the doctor had already come into the ring to observe to to look at his eye. She's doing the thing where okay, look to your left, look to your right with just the one eye because it is start. His left eye is starting to close because he's taking uh, a combination of right hands right. from Cain Velasquez up against up against the cage, and he's also getting headbutts. Like Cain right. is just rubbing his big head against his face, uh, face against yep. DeSantos's his face, and that's also applying pressure to his face. So now, it's a, okay. So it's the third round, right? So he comes, and then like, so like, how would you advise, <laughs> advise him? You know, now to, his corner, not to cut you off, but his corner now. If you saw that when he came back out, he starts to throw these short elbows. Yeah, which okay. were, oh, which were, which were which touching were, him. Which they, yeah, okay. bing, that, the left elbow okay, across Kane's face. Okay, he has to cover this eye. His corner didn't tell him nothing wrong. He tried to keep that hand up, short elbow, anytime Kane was coming in. Right. But you have to try to do something. So what RG was doing was, with his left hand, was covering, if you're p- putting his hand in sort of a glove uh, formation, kind of covering his left eye, which was taking the right. most damage, and then throwing a left elbow, elbow from that position. So you're almost, you're blocking your eye from getting any more punishment, and the, you're also being on the offensive. And if the shot is coming off like Kane's throwing that right hand, he's got to either direct it with, short with that elbow or, or absorb the block then come through with that elbow to try to slow his ass down a little bit. <laughs> but because Kane was just Kane is just so relentless, his cardio is so crazy, Dos Santos couldn't do nothing about it. In that type of sense, when you have a guy, we call those guys in the gym the choo-choo trains, those the, the, the Jason, <laughs> the Jason type guys. The yeah, Mike he was Myers like Jason, just kept coming. Kept yeah. coming right? yeah. The zombies, yeah. you know what I'm saying? The walking dead. You got to tie those guys up like a, like a goat. You get what I'm saying? You got to hold <laughs> these guys up. You got to tie them up. You gotta you gotta slow them down, and once you start tying them up, he's gotta be. And this is all strategy. This is a bunch of things. They should have known this from the first fight because it's the same approach that Kane took by just charging in, throwing punches, charging in, trying to take him down. He had to drop his level a little bit, put his head in Kane's face a little bit, so Kane feels that the that the 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 like that that grindingness across his face, yeah. and. Keep him cool a sense. So he okay. I gotta readjust and recalculate my approach on how I'm gonna come in instead of oh this guy ain't doing nothing to me. I'm gonna keep coming in, and that's what happened. He just broke the guy's will, and that's what happens in the fight game. Cain Velasquez defended his title 
and he beat Junior Dos Santos in a decision after five rounds. I should mention earlier when we were talking about Gilbert Melendez versus Diego Sanchez, Gilbert Melendez won uh, by a decision unanimously after three rounds. Um, So far this year, I mean, I guess we can go back to the John Jones uh, Gustafson fight, which is UFC 165 here in Toronto, which at that point, a lot of people were saying was the fight of the year. I certainly think it was the fight of the year. Does does this Melendez Sanchez fight or this Velasquez de Santos fight, in your opinion, take the top fight of the year? Does it have now have uh, fight of the year honors 2013 with two months left in the calendar? Right now, to me, I still think the Jones Gustafson fight is the fight of the year because those guys are looking like basketball players holding their shorts at some point, <laughs> taking that breather. Oh, there. were they ever? You know what I'm saying? The, the, and they're going blow for blow. Five rounds, yeah. too. You know what I mean? That was five rounds. And of everything that was at stake, you know, Lo- uh, Jones's like, title, legacy, yeah. his title, you know. It's, everything. His foot was broken after the first round and he kept fighting. Yeah. You can't you can't take that away. That was, To me, that was the fight of the year right now. And it showed... Uh, um, a lot of people that aren't fans of John Jones, they think he's just a pretty boy, just a, just a, just an athletic freak of nature that's capable of doing a lot of things that certain fighters can't do. Show that he show he has some balls. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That he's like, you know what? I my foot's been was broken. Yeah. No one knew my foot was broken. I was still throwing the kicks. I was still popping this guy with shots and moving. And one, you get what I'm saying? <laughs> so that 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 right there, and take nothing away from Melendez um, Sanchez last night. If that fight didn't happen, Jones, that would have been right there, and that could be a neck and neck. That could even go both back to back fight of the year combo <laughs> fight of the year. <laughs> but the Jones fight was actually it was it was it was it was, the, it was the dramatics of the fight that made it monumental for this year since you're from montreal i get you out of here on this what is your relationship like with george st pierre i'm tight with george i mean i've been tighter with george when he wasn't a fighter like as he is now than he is now how did you guys even meet george used to be a bouncer at this at this spot I'll come remember. on are you kidding that dude is five eight <laughs> he used to bounce five eight he club. sounds like john claude van damme <laughs> named fuzzy's in the south shore right i think it wasn't a long gig but i guess he was out there for a little bit and I really didn't know George used to fight, right? So years gone by, and I'm like, same George. So do you speak French to him? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Right. So uh, years go by, and George doing. Okay, what thing. year? What like when is this? Fuzzies like 2000. This is like or 98. I'll say, yeah, 99. Cause I, I moved to Toronto 2000, 2000. So yeah, I'd say 97 to 98 ish. Okay. We go out to South Shore, pick up some girls out there, and see what's popping. <laughs> <laughs> but then George was also fighting in those leagues, the UCCs, U- UGCs, and all these other small organizations in Quebec. I knew that. So but this is mixed martial arts, right. not like boxing or anything. Right, just, just mixed, mixed martial, martial arts. Okay, yeah. And killing it and uh, getting his way into the UFC and uh, doing his thing. And then um, he lost his fight against Sarah in Houston. And then we, we, we reconnected because I was in Houston the same time seeing seeing the fight. And uh, he started working with my brothers at the time for like a, I set him up to start working with my brother Howard and Otis out in Montreal. Okay, yeah. And, and uh, uh, Otis was the Olympian, yeah. Howard was the Olympian. Oh, Howard me. was the the captain of the Olympic team in '88. The bo- boxing, boxing team. Boxing team. So that's him, Egerton Marcus. Him, Egerton Marcus, and Lennox, Lennox Lewis. Lewis. Um, man, um, Scotty Olson, I believe. Right. Was a, oh my um, God. That's that team was that. Um, uh, Kurt Johnson, I believe, was there that year. Okay. Chris Johnson could have been there that year. Right. The real stack team, man. 
Um, so, um, sorry. So then, yeah, so then, so GSP look, started working with Otis and Howard yeah, in in the, Montreal in boxing. Oh, in boxing in like the, the, the early 2000s. Right, and that that was when my brother had a great stable of pro guys, the world champions out of the gym doing their thing, and it was good work. Constant work for George, but George just keeps evolving, going out to Vegas, messing with Freddie Roach, messing with Stefan LaRouche, with Lucien Boutin, these guys, and always raising his game. Now, next month, he's got a tough fight with Oh, Hendricks. Johnny Hendricks, who Ooh. just throws bombs. But I think George is just that matador that might just know... Just, he's just his timing is impeccable, and George knows how to read certain guys. And once they make that mistake, you're on your back, and it's too late. That's true. And and it, he's he's the greatest strategist when it comes to mixed martial arts. People say, oh, George, they shouldn't call him Russian anymore because he doesn't do all the rush explosives type of stuff. They he made his name off of that. He doesn't have to do it anymore. Now he has to be a scientist and a mixed martial artist. He's not a wrestler, and he wrestles out of everybody <laughs> every time he fights and wrestlers like real life division one top tier olympic style wrestlers and george wrestles the hell out of the whole everybody to the point this is going to be his toughest fight after this fight george needs to say you know what give me a silver fight give me a, like a give me a uh, evans type of fight one of these fights that's gonna be oh yeah george's gonna fight this guy to solidify his real legacy, he's already a legend. He's already going to go down to the Hall of Fame. But a lot of people just, it's like Michael Jordan. So he stops dunking and he starts popping threes in people's face. He's not the same player. No, but he's, still, he's throwing one more point extra every night by dropping threes <laughs> in your face and, 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 and showing its diversity of his game yeah. instead of just being that same explosive type of fighter, man. I uh, I feel like I was in the lab today, RG. Thank you very much. You no, mentioned man, you mentioned scientists. You are the scientist <laughs> of the sweet science. So thank you for coming by on My Guy Mondays. Me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Cabbie Presents, the podcast.